You are now tuned to the Priority One Subspace Frequency, brought to you by Sayulita.com. Sayulita, the galaxy's premier shore leave destination. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. Welcome to episode 109 of Priority One, recorded on Thursday, December 20th, 2012, via trekradio.net, and published Monday morning for download on PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm sick. I'm kind of sick. They're sick. (laughs) (laughs) And it's the end of the world. Guys, we are, this is, it's Thursday night. It's the night before the end of the world. Do you have any plans? This is our farewell show, in case you didn't know. For all you apocalyptic type folks out there, this is our farewell show. So we're gonna party like it's 1999. That's right. So what do we have this week, Adrienne? This is a very merry episode of Priority One with plenty of presents for all you good little boys and girls. Or it's our doomsday episode, and we packed in as much as we could in case this was our last. You know, just trying to make the uh, chief of the Mayans happy. Oh, he's gonna kill us. In this episode's Blank of the Week, we continue our coverage of the community-driven PvP boot camp with a special interview featuring Sargon, the brains behind the project, and community manager for Star Trek Online, Brandon Brandflakes Feltzer. In Stow News, we cover the latest Ask Cryptic, gaming news, and more. Finally, we open up hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, you should join us live on Trek Radio every Thursday night at this time. 5.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Feel free to interact with us using Trek Radio's built-in IRC chat client. Just visit trekradio.net and look under their community section, and you can hang with us while we record the show live. We are always looking for new blog submissions from you gaming and sci-fi aficionados. If you have an idea for an article and want your voice heard, then send your submission to incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. All the submissions we receive for our show will be entered into this month's random drawing for 1,000 zen. This includes comments on our website and emailed segment topics. Speaking of rewards, Adrienne? Yersh. Oh my goodness. Like, this is going to be a party in stow. Next Thursday night, be sure to join us in-game as Priority One spreads some holiday cheer. We've got some sweet costume packs to give out and an extra 500 stow points. So, episode 110... Our next will be the first of the new year. So, captains, join us next week on Trek Radio and in Q's Winter Wonderland for some fun games and prizes. More details will be announced on Facebook, Twitter, and the Priority One website. So stay tuned. That's Thursday, December 27th. You know, Woody Valley brought up a good point. If it was the end of the world, he said he must be in paradise because it's already tomorrow over in Australia, where he's at, so, you know. Oh, good point. So, maybe it's when the sun rises over the Mayan... I've, I've already told him, I says, look, the end of the world is on American time, all right? Look, we Americans, we know how to end the world, okay? Like, seriously, we've been trying Ugh. for years, so, you know. It's kind of sick, yeah. Yeah. 
So just to recap this last week, Priority 1 Episode 107, Slaysational, came out. Blogging, trekking style, Don We Now Are Gay Apparel, is uh, out and over on our website. Check that out. Another one of our blogs, Behind the Lines with Silent Weapons. Check it out. Podcast, Trek It Out Episode 6 with Kirsten Bayer came out. Top-notch lady, super classy, a lot of fun to talk to. I really enjoyed tagging along on that one, and Declan did an excellent job. Uh, lastly, be sure to zip on over to our website and read all of our amazing blogs and listen to our latest special downloads and mobile ringtones. Now, why don't we go ahead and just set a course for this episode's Blank of the Week? On screen. On screen. On screen. What place is it? I don't know. It's the Blank of the Week. So, joining us this evening is Brendan Feltzer, the community manager at Star Trek Online and Sargon, the brains behind the PvP bootcamp. Uh, and also a frequent blog writer and a staff writer here at PriorityOnePodcast.com. So thank you both for joining us this evening. Thank you. Oh, it's awesome to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. So the first thing I want to uh, ask is, can you talk to us a little bit about the genesis of the project? What, Why PvP Bootcamp? Sure, I guess I'll take the, the lead on that. Well, I was looking at the original post uh, just today because I originally floated this idea to the PvP community within the forums. And the idea really arose out of my own experience as a, as a new PvPer. I, I was lucky enough to come across a number of players who recognized that I needed to develop a little bit, but were also willing to kind of take me under their wing and uh, teach me just really some of the basic, basic, basic skills. And I began to think about the reasons why I hadn't done PvP in the past. And a lot of those were because it, it was a very frustrating experience, you know, to queue up and to then lose in a matter of 45 seconds and to just keep going and doing that over and over again. And, and if that's your experience, I can understand, you know, why nobody would want to do it. And so I began to think, you know, why don't people do PvP? I don't think it's an issue of rewards. You know, sometimes people complain about, well, there aren't enough rewards in PvP. But to be honest, you can really earn a lot of dilithium doing PvP. There are a number of dailies on the Fed side that if you do capture and hold, for instance, three times, you get about 1,400 dilithium. That's great. So you get about 1,400 dilithium, maybe in a matter of 45 minutes, kind of depending on how long the match is will last. And you can do that uh, about three different times with a couple different dailies. And on the Klingon side, I think there are even more. So there's an incredible potential to generate dilithium through PvP play. So I honestly don't think it's an issue of rewards. I think there are other things going on, like it can be very frustrating to just have to go into a match and just be stomped over and over and over again. And so what, what that suggested to me was that there was a great disparity between kind of the hardcore PvP players who were in there beating people up day after day and then sort of the noobs like me who were the ones getting beat up. And so I thought, how do you bridge that gap? And for me, the way that gap was bridged was through this kind of mentorship experience. And so I thought, let's in, in some sense institutionalize this. Let's make a, a, a formal place, educational space that is safe and fun and uh, where people can experience mentorship and experience, you know, just where they can get the basics of PvP and not have to be so frustrated every time they enter the queues. Now, Brandon, how did you get involved into the PvP bootcamp? Well, I saw Sargon's thread in the forums, and uh, I was posting another thread, and Sargon had said, um, hey, have you seen this? And I had actually looked at it and was considering it and thinking about how we could do it, and you know, I said I was very interested and that I would get in contact, and we've been talking for about a month and a half, if not two months now, maybe a little longer. 
since late October. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I mean, I thought it was a great idea. I'm in the same boat. The sad pandas actually took me under their wings to teach me. And I mean, I noticed that my damage was not only increasing in PvP when I, you know, saw the the scores at the end, but I also noticed that I was doing much better in PvE. And, you know, I, I pride myself on someone that's, you know, run the STS, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times. So, you know, I thought that I was doing pretty good, but in PvP it's a completely different game because you're working with a team and there's just a lot more mechanics. When I'm PvPing with someone and they're like, oh, what's that ability? I've, you know, never had that used on me because I'm using it on NPCs. So they don't know uh, different counters and different techniques and things like that. So I think what boot camp, it not only helps you when you're in PvP, but it overall helps you become a better player. And the curriculum that the coaches have set up is really awesome. And it talks to you about, you know, your spec and the skill tree and how that affects different things when you put points in it. There's, I, I think the majority of players out there don't realize when you put points in certain areas what that actually affects, and you could be using points in areas that you're not using at all. So I, I think this is going to be a great experience to just better everyone's gameplay. And what's awesome is the amount of turnout that we've got. I mean, it's been incredible. We've had over 600 people post in the registration forum saying they're interested, and that's amazing. You know, we'll see how many actually come to the session, but... I mean, that's just an amazing amount of people in there. And what we really need to show is when you queue up for a STF, let's say, usually you'll get pop in just a couple of seconds, if not, you know, a minute or so. Well, in PvP, if you see there, if you go in at night when you're looking in, you can see that hardly anyone's in there. And I think that's for a couple of different things. I agree with Sargon. I don't think it's the rewards or it's in the sense where they don't know that the rewards are there or don't want to go into that content because they aren't used to it or are not comfortable or you have that feeling where you're blown up very fast. You're kind of like, uh, it doesn't feel good, but that's what the boot camp is going to help with. And, um, there is great amounts of dilithium in there. And the nice thing is too, is if you're going to PVP a couple matches, you know, you could have your missions up and then complete them as they turn in. It doesn't, if you don't want to do that daily, well, you know, jump into a match a day. But what's nice about this boot camp is it's really a grassroots effort in the fact that we can show that more people are interested in PvP. That will hopefully mean more development time that we can provide to it because there are some amazing ideas that I can't even begin to talk about in terms of how I would like to support PvP if we had more players in there. I guess like a little hint would be I'd love to have some kind of esports. Um, there's a couple other games out there that do this where they do big competitions for actual real life currency or in game prizes. You know, we can we can see how what where it goes, but I have this grandiose idea where STO could be the best PvP out there. It's so interesting, our space mechanics. So I think that it could be it could attract a lot of people with the right amount of PvP content. And hopefully we can get that because we'll have people who are interested in it. Now, internally at Cryptic Studios, what's been the, the response? How, what have the developers said about the PvP bootcamp? Are they going to be in attendance? Have they said, oh, I'll be there? Well, I mean, they're very busy. <laughs> you know, so when, usually on their off times, they like to go do, you know, mm -hmm. things for family and friends and things like that. But um, a couple of them will be hopefully showing up with me, PvPing against the players. I know a couple of the system guys are interested in that and... They're very excited. I mean, I was updating them basically every day because it was amazing to see the support 
uh, the amount of people that were signing up in the thread side, you know, send a, a daily email saying, oh, we're up to this amount, we're up to this amount. Everyone was just so excited to see it. I mean, that's a lot of people expressing interest. And what's awesome is that if you go through that thread, you'll see that there's a lot of people in there who it's their first forum post ever. So I, that just shows the power of the boot camp, and I'm, I'm really excited. I hope the coaches are just as excited as the players are because it's going to be great, and we've got some great things lined up for after the boot camp too. I know that we'd love to be able to do an official tournament, okay. and I think that would be great, kind of like what I was talking about. And if we have a lot of people interested, it would be great as we can set up multiple brackets and leaderboard, you know, how people progress through that. They sign up with the team and things like that. So I, I would love for us to be able to do that. And it sounds like with as much interest we have, you know, even if half the people come out or even 25%, that's still a lot of people interested. I'm looking forward to it and I'm really excited to be able to uh, support it from a community side. Do a March Madness in PvP. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. That's the only I mean, sports reference uh, I can ever make, so... <laughs> well, the boot camp, I think, I think the last session would be in, you know, March, April-ish. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be really cool. Talk to us a little bit about the actual class itself, the actual session. What can players expect during this first one? Sure. So each boot camp event uh, is, is a one and a half hour session. And the student will be put into a digital classroom of sorts uh, with a coach and an assistant coach. And in that time, there will be a little bit of homework that will be done. We'll be having the students read what is commonly known as the Hilbert Guide. And Hilbert is a very, very well-known PvP player who is also very, very skilled in mathematics and is very aware of how uh, that aspect of the game works. So he's created what is called the Hilbert Guide, and that's very easy to find. I think you can just type in you know, Star Trek Online Hilbert Guide, and it's very easy to find in Google. So there'll be a little bit of homework, so there's a little bit of, you know, knowledge that is involved, you know, the acquisition of knowledge. And so there will be some kind of direct instruction. You know, people can expect to have a little bit of just the teacher telling them, you know, this is how this works. This is why you should do this in a certain scenario. This is why you should equip your ship in such and such a way. Um, But then also, I've ask the coaches that they always include a a sort of sparring element where there is a generous amount of controlled combat situations so that people are actually getting to try out the knowledge. Um, Because I think in in PvP, knowledge is is very important, but then experience, just gaining experience and deploying that knowledge is also very important. So I think people can expect a one and a half hour session that will involve a sort of balanced Mm -hmm. mixture of both acquiring knowledge and also putting that knowledge into practice. Now, I had the opportunity of meeting with you earlier this week, Sargon, to do a bit of a crash course PvP bootcamp, and I have to say that it was a phenomenal experience. Very organized, you know, and that's what's refreshing about this is that you have a method that I think is going to be very easy to digest for every player. One of the benefits of what I think of having the coach and the assistant coach is that people learn differently. And sometimes one person can explain something one way and it'll just fly over somebody's head. They go in one ear and out the other because they didn't understand what they said. But that second approach to teaching is what helps that student. And I found that to be the case. You know, sometimes I understood Pascal. Sometimes I understood you. You would work off each other to explain a concept to me. And I think that's great. Combined with the organization here, I mean, this is going to teach people how to play the game from respecting your skills to 
getting matched up with uh, other players in PvP, and I think that's really exciting. People should be really excited for this. Now, we did it on TeamSpeak. Are you guys going to be using the in-game chat channel, or there will be a TeamSpeak server open? Yes, actually, there are a couple of people within the bootcamp team who are very skilled in terms of code writing and things like that. And like uh, Dark Frontiers, he's the guy who created our website, and, and also the promotional video. And then Feo, who is of Extreme, he's one of the leaders of Extreme, which is a KDF fleet. He has actually set up an entire TeamSpeak server that will be used for bootcamp, and it can facilitate 400 players. Yeah, it's it's very impressive. It, it is a requirement that students will will have to use TeamSpeak. We are making a few exceptions. We have some students who have impairments that do not allow them to use TeamSpeak, and we want to do everything we can to be able to facilitate them. So we actually have one teacher who will be a dedicated, I guess you could call it a, a chat box uh, teacher, a, a text-only teacher, that is. And so he will be teaching a group of people who either have impairments that prevent them from using audio technology or who are absolutely unable to use TeamSpeak for whatever reason. One of the really fundamental lessons that you learn in PvP is that communication is key. You cannot do well in PvP without close communication between the team. And for most people, the best way to do that is through some kind of audio method, an audio application. And so uh, it, we just we kind of came to a consensus as coaches that we would use TeamSpeak because we were able to easily obtain, uh, you know, this free server for 400 people. <laughs> now, Brandon, what was it about this thread that caught your attention? I'm sure there have been other moments where there's been an attempt at some kind of grassroots community-led group. But what was it about this post that said, oh, all right, we, we, we got, I got to get behind this? Well, I think the PvP community has kind of worked together in a sense. It's, it's, very, it's a very tight-knit group. For instance, there's an organized PvP channel, and you'll find that they're very passionate about the game and there and such. And I think that I saw it as an opportunity for others to experience content in the game that they don't often experience. And like I said, I think there's an amazing possibility that Star Trek Online could have with PvP. There's so many ideas I have in my head from, I play another game on the side too, and I'm not playing STO that's just PvP. And there's so many interesting mechanics in it that I thought I, I think about with, with space combat and what we can do on ground. And it's an amazing possibility. And But the, the thing is, not everyone PvPs. Everyone is in the game to PvE at some point. You know, you have to level up a character and you have to go through PvE. Well, I guess you could just PvP the whole way there, kind of, maybe. But, you know, the majority of people play STO for the PvE content. And I would love to see more people playing PvP. And more people playing PvP equals the higher of a chance there is for development time for PvP systems and content. And I think that would be amazing and a huge opportunity for us to attract maybe people that just played PvP games to come check out STL. I thought it was very organized, and I knew um, from Sargon's blogs and stuff that he'd be, you know, the perfect person to work with, along with the rest of the community, to kind of bring it to fruition. Awesome. That's fantastic. Now, Adrienne, do you PvP at all, Adrienne? Well, I've tried it, and I, I had a great time dying a lot. Getting to know my equipment, that's not a hard thing. Memorizing it, it's a little harder. And knowing what to use when is the hardest. 
I got to say, from my experience with PVP, I love PVP, but it is intimidating as someone who's very new to it with Star Trek Online. I find that PVP boot camp is absolutely something I would like to do. Now, I, I know what PVP is. I've done a lot of PVP, though I still kind of consider myself a noob with Star Trek Online because it seems like, and this is a combination of the user interface, which I know is, is getting an overhaul, but uh, as it is currently and, and as I've known it, has, it's not been the easiest for me to learn very quickly. So I tend to then leave PvP alone and go do all the other stuff in Stowe, but I want to do more PvP. So what I'm kind of curious is, as someone who knows what PvP is, but who's not as familiar with Stowe as I should be, on the user side of it. How do I jump into PVP bootcamp? Like, who do I talk to? Where do I start step by step? That's what I would love. Oh, sure. Um, l let me take a stab at this from a couple different angles. One, you could uh, simply register. <laughs> um, at this point, the registration for the event on the 29th is closed, but we will probably be having a makeup event the following weekend, uh, in part because we want to be able to accommodate all the people who have registered for the first one because there's just there's been such a, a large large response. So I think that's you know that's just one starting point is to sign up for that because the curriculum that we've put together really is for people who are who really just need like a base knowledge of how do I even enter into this realm of Stowe? Like what are what are the baby steps? And I've told the coaches, the teachers over and over and over again that what boot camp is is PvP kindergarten. I tell them I want you to be teaching people how to tie their shoes and wipe their noses. Like basic stuff. And they should be able to leave with some feeling of success like, oh, I know when to use a tactical team. I know when to use hazard emitters as a hull heel as opposed to engineering team as a hull heel or ox to sif as a hull heel. And these are just little, little baby steps. And so that's that's one way we want to make PvP bite size on some level. Yeah. Adrian, does that answer your question a little bit? Yeah. You know, and the thing is, is I'm not a super, super beginner. Battle tactics is actually something I'm very familiar with. I'm very good at as long as I know my equipment, as long as I know what I have at my disposal, I can figure things out very fast as to when to use what. But still, from the noob with the cluster of equipment, sometimes it's hard for me to tell what the icon is. I don't remember. Yeah. I think that that might be the biggest thing, too, is that the icons, they're great, but they, I can't remember what does what based on the picture. I would really like that to be ingrained in me automatically because then I can start to do battle tactics better, both for myself as well as for my team. And I can imagine the struggle is even greater for someone who hasn't done teamwork, PVPs, or even has played Stowe for very long. I can imagine that being even more difficult for them. And and there's a lot of people out there, and I know stereotypically People think that it's girls who don't do a lot of gaming who wouldn't know all, uh, battle tactics and a lot of stuff like this. But, you know, I mean, there are a lot of people out there, girls and guys, who they don't really know and it can scare them away from something that could be great if they don't know. Do you have anything in the way of getting to know and making automatic your toolkit, so to speak? Yeah, the, I'm really glad you brought up this point. There have been some conversations in the past with the boot camp coaches about putting together a like an icon guide for the uh, buff and debuff bar, which shows up on your target or on your teammate 
or on yourself, you know, it, it's showing up in, in these three or four different places. And, and you're absolutely right. Like to do effective PVP, you have to be able to read not only your own buff bar and uh, your own, you know, list of skills that are on you, but also those that are on your enemy because you don't want to be launching a full alpha strike at the wrong time when a person is fully buffed. And so the coaches are, are really think it's important that we teach players how to, how to be able to read the skills that are being activated and used at a certain point. In terms of my own play, there was a, a couple months into kind of jumping into the whole PvP realm, I decided that I would try to memorize an icon a day. So I would say, okay, well, because I mostly play as a healer, and so knowing the icons is extremely important because you don't want to, you know, double up on a heal and whatnot. And so I would just take one a day, and I would say, okay, this is what extend shields looks like. And then I would try to memorize not just what the icon looked like, but also what it did. You know, does it offer resistance? What kind? How much regeneration does it give? Things like that. So I think that's one baby step that a person can take. But you know, in terms of boot camp, it's going to be built into the curriculum that we teach those icons. Good. Yeah. Brandon, will you be there for the first PvP boot camp session? Yes. It's December 29th. Yes, I absolutely will be there. Are people going to get to fight with the Dun of PvP? <laughs> I don't. Think, nah, I don't know if it's the first session that we're going to do that. Okay. Um, I don't think it's going to be that day, right? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be that exact session. I think that as long as you come to the first session, that's where your name gets thrown in the hat. But I will be around. So if we wanted to do it at the end, we, we totally can. We want to videotape it, though. Yes. We have yes. to get this on tape. <laughs> now, what, kind of, what are the rewards, Brandon, that uh, people will be receiving from Cryptic Studios for participating here? Yeah, so um, anyone who completes the full boot camp graduates, and they'll get a graduation pack. And uh, right now, that consists of a special title for your character, which is PvP Bootcamp Grad, and then a, a respec token. So you can put all of your knowledge that you learned about the skill tree and things like that and uh, respec your character and build the tree with the knowledge that you have now. Exciting. That's fantastic. Well, gentlemen, mm -hmm. thank you so very much for joining us this evening. Is there anything else that you'd like to touch base on on, on the PvP Bootcamp? I just want to say... Um, Again, Sargon, thank you so much for putting this all together. Thank you to all the coaches who are supporting this idea and going to be donating their time for this. And to all the students who are listening to the show right now, we, we're very, very excited. And I think with this great movement and with these boot camps, it's going to get a lot of people in the queues, which means the queues are going to pop more often, which means people are going to be able to PvP more often, which means that Hopefully, we can get more uh, development time for it. I know some of the designers I talk to have some really awesome ideas, and they just need time to do that. And uh, hopefully, this will show the support for it, and we'll see where it takes it from here. But so far, uh, so good. Yeah, I would just like to reciprocate that comment that without Brandflake's support, I'm certain that we would not be uh, where we are today. I, I know that after he decided to kind of give us a official sponsorship, uh, there was a large influx of coaches because I think they saw that Perfect World was willing to put their support behind it and that that was going to give us some advertisement space, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, thanks to Brandflix for all the support that you provided. He has really been an incredible asset. Oh, it's my pleasure. Well, gentlemen, thank you again for joining us this evening and we look forward to seeing you in the PVP queues. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. 
I'm only in the mood for good news today. As many of you have heard, the award-winning MMO City of Heroes closed its doors earlier this year. It seems some of the team from Paragon Studios have made their way to the USS Cryptic Studios. Jeff Educator Hawk Hamilton, or just Cryptic Hawk for short, was a systems designer on City of Heroes for the past two years. Now he joins the systems design team on Stowe, working on exciting new powers, enemies, items, ships, and more. Welcome aboard. Looking forward to what you bring to the table. It's unfortunate that City of Heroes went down. I mean, I was one of actually that was my first yeah. MMO, and it was a fun one. It really was, and it was sad to see it close its doors. But at the same time, it had a long life, and it's good to see that that talent's moving over to Cryptic Studio. So welcome aboard, Hawk, and we look forward to what you bring. So this week in Stone News, we also had uh, Ask Cryptic come out. So we'll review some of the uh, the questions that piqued our interest. First, actually, came from Custo seventeen oh one. And uh, he posed a question, anything you can say about the upcoming Andorian ship? As many of you may have heard, the Andorian ship was rumored to come around sometime in January. D. Stahl writes, however, it's an escort, it has massive guns, and is a new model based on an older design. However, it's not coming out in January as originally thought. It will be in the first half of 2013. James, is this ship one that you're going to go after if you have to run some races uh, 25 times? Yes. He had me at massive guns. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. I love a uh, good... I love my defiant for its firepower. So anything that's got some serious massive firepower, yes, I will be going after it. For an escort, what do you think is going to be a reasonable hull? That really all depends. Right now, Akira is pretty much like your top-of-the-line escort as far as that goes, the T5 Akira, you know, your or Armitage, or whatever you want to call it. That's kind of your top-of-the-line right now. For a true for a true escort, that's your top-of-the-line right now. I would say it has to be equal or better than that. I don't know. It, it depends. Are they even releasing this as a Tier 5? Or is it going to be something less? Is it going to be a fill-in at a lower rank? I don't know. Because, you know, they've spoken mm-hmm. about a second Andorian ship that could be a broadsider later, so... There might be more than one coming, and there might be a different tiers. I don't know. There's a lot of information lacking to make those calls. But if it's going to be a tier five escort, I'm all over it. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm excited. It's cool. It'll be actually the first non-Federation design ship that I've really wanted. I got the bug ship, but I mean, I wasn't really going after it. I kind of just fell upon the bug ship. But this would be the first one that I've actually like gone after, paid money for, really wanted. Because I think the Andorian design, especially that older design, is, is really a good-looking, cool ship. So, And if it's going to have massive guns, uh, all the more. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. I think I'd pick up the Andorian ship. I'm not keen on switching to non-Earth Federation ships. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it is an escort with massive guns and is comparable with that Armitage... You see, my thing is, you, you know, even... It's going to be the turn rate, too. Is it going to feel like an escort? Is it going to turn like an escort? Well, if it's um, if it's being based on the so, older design, it should be. Because if you watch the episodes of Enterprise where they show those ships in combat, they had turn rate. I mean, they were moving. They were moving and shaking. Those things were going like escorts. So... They weren't big. So it may not be as heavy as the as the Armitage. It may not. So maybe it'll. It might be lighter. It might be more defiant size. I don't know. It's hard to say. I can tell you the scale as opposed to. It was probably at least double the size of an NX01. They're beefing it up and making it larger. Okay, churn rate changes. You know, those things all have to come into play. But I I don't want to speculate too much because it's so early and they haven't released 
anything other than the fact that it's coming and it has massive guns. The word massive guns, that's a great start, but there's, that still leaves a lot of information to be filled in. So, but Well, maybe it's that broadsider. Mm, maybe. No. Or I don't know. I don't know. He said there was possibly going to be two, so I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. But okay. while we're at it, though, the, you know, the next question came in from Cylon74656, who wanted to know about the Typhoon class being playable in-game. And we've all seen that one. It's a real big dreadnought. It's got, you know, big, huge saucer. We've seen it at different points in the game. Right now, it's an NPC-only ship, and people have been asking for it for a long time. And I think it's a cool design. Some people like it. Some people don't. I think it's pretty neat. But the question was put to Dan, are we going to get it? And he said, the Typhoon class is a Dreadnought and will most likely not appear as a playable ship until we increase the skill cap point to full Admiral. So it would probably be a full Admiral Dreadnought, which makes it pretty big. But see, that that begs the question. I mean, we have the Odyssey. What's going to be bigger than that? You know what I'm saying at this point? If it's a Dreadnought and we have the Galaxy X Dreadnought, so we already have Dreadnoughts, why do we have to wait to full Admiral to get another Dreadnought? We already have them. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of weird to hold it until that point. I think that's just a way for them to put it off because right now they don't deem it really important, which yeah, is probably I not agree. really important. What about the features? What about a capability like a console? What if it's a, it, maybe it's not about the ship size, but it's about the console? I can't off the top of my head think of any ability I've seen that ship put out that's not already out there that we can't have. It used to be that Torpedo Spread 3 was the big thing that that ship had that other ships didn't have, but you can get that now. If you get that Dominion officer, it comes with Torpedo Spread 3. So you can get that now, and you can get other Dreadnoughts. So there's really not anything that special about it unless they make up something new, obviously. You know, they give it some type of new console, they create something for it. But uh, anyway, he says they haven't even decided on this, it'll be a player ship or not. He says if there's enough support for it, though, they might make it so. We got one from Blast and Blaster 1. With the addition of the Tau Dewa Sector Block... Is it the intention now with sector space to keep adding sectors to make it one big square as far as the galaxy map is concerned to alleviate the autopilot problem? Downstall says that we do want to fill in all the missing space on the galaxy map. They have plans to add several more sectors that will get them closer to the block that's being described. They might actually add other additional areas to the galaxy map when they start to venture into delta or gamma quadrants. While we'd like to have one big sector sometimes in the future, It'll be a great challenge to retrofit the entire game, and it's unlikely to happen anytime soon. We will look into improving autopilot features and have continued to add transport capabilities to help players get from point A to point B quickly. The next question was from at CR. Are there any plans to improve switching between starships? D-Star replies that they have a design on how they're going to improve how you can switch between starships with a major release probably coming around Season 8 or shortly thereafter. It'll address a lot of issues with boff reassignments, boff skills, and power trace setups. Speaking of UI, Ruins Fate, could you remove the repair UI and just make component regenerators remove an injury of the relevant rank as soon as they are double-clicked? Destall agrees, and this request is on our softer UI backlog to be addressed when they get time in their busy schedules. That's one that I really, especially now that there's the shuttle, because whenever I get, if I get an injury... It'll default to my shuttle, and I have to click now to my main ship to then heal whatever wound I have on my ship, and it's just a lot of extra clicking that I would really like to avoid. Full Leather Jacket sent in a question asking, Will we ever see Federation and Klingon Empire reputation categories where we can earn passive and active abilities that reflect our respective factions? And item sets, i.e. two weapons plus a console specific to our factions that star bases do not offer offer. Stahl says, 
Yes, most likely. We plan to continue adding reputations that represent the different factions and components of the game, such as the player factions, crafting, PvP, and other species, etc. So, stand by. It's coming. Good times. I had a feeling. As soon as they did Romulan, Omega reputation, why not do Cardassian? Why not do Klingon? Why not do all these other races? I mean, it's just a way to add more content easily, so why not? I'd like to see reputation be developed for PvP, at least Federation and Klingon, because if Klingon was supposedly the said PvP faction of the game, what better way to get more drive into it than by doing a bit of a reputation system around the PvP system? Yes, yes, I know, it's underdeveloped, but hopefully with the reputation system will come better development, and if you're afraid of PvP, why not try the PvP bootcamp? <laughs> Yay, we're going to be talking about that more and actually doing it. The next question is from Lindelef. Is the re-species token truly in the works? And Downstall says, this is being discussed, but it's still up in the air. We've yet to announce if re-species tokens are for sure coming because we are evaluating traits with Season 8 and have some pending decisions which may impact our need for the re-species tokens. Once we've ironed out how we want traits to function in Season 8, we can either move forward with re-species or announce the trait changes we plan to make. Does, do you do you care about the? I, I'm not. I care. I would retrait really? my captain. Yeah, from the original traits I picked for him. My main is my first character, and so I didn't know crap about the game when I picked those traits, and I can't go back and change them now. I would definitely go back and change them. So I would love to be able to retrait. I wonder if they're gonna double whammy. Like they're gonna be like, you can change your traits, and we're introducing new traits now. Yeah, that would be cool. Which, well, you see, I don't know, because I would rather they keep it the way it is, because otherwise we're just going to end up making the same mistake. With new traits comes another ability to choose the wrong one. Yeah, well, they can always allow us to choose more than the four traits. I think it's minimum. Well, but if they add retrait tokens, having the well, ability yeah, to change them yeah. if you don't like them is what matters. So our next question came from Wizzle Darkful. Mr. Wizzle Darkful asks, will there be some kind of balancing system for fleet projects depending on the size of the fleet? Boy, we've heard this one before. In addition to contributing to drop drop the drop in prices, <laughs> wow, requirements for projects, we've done this several times. We've discussed other options related to fleet size scaling, but most of the new options turn out to be areas of the potential abuse if we don't also include penalties for leaving and joining fleets. For example, if it is easy for a small fleet to complete a holding, then what is to stop a large fleet from disbanding to dump all the requirements and then rejoining once a lesser cost is achieved? So, for now, we prefer to adjust fleet projects globally as well as increase rewards and input drops needed for Starbase projects because that can have a similar positive effect for small fleets. At the end of the day, fleet and guild housing is a sensitive subject no matter what the MMO, and there isn't a bulletproof solution out there that makes everyone happy. So, we want players to form fleets larger than three members, but instead of excluding these small fleets from the system entirely, we instead choose a more balanced approach of allowing fleets of any size to participate with a median cost. Well, long story short, let's summarize here what he said. Generally, what Dan Stahl said was the same thing that, let's say, we pointed out last week or the week before that Phyrexian Hero said, that if they do scale it according to the size of the fleet, there's more room for people to abuse the system. And generally, they're looking into how they can remedy that. But in the meantime, until they find a quote-unquote bulletproof solution, they're just going to have to do it globally, which is fine. It's not going to be a science. There's people going to want to just stick with the five members, and it's just us five. But unfortunately, the system was designed for, it seems to have been designed for more than three or four people. And we'll see where it goes. We'll see how they, how they remedy that. 
Yeah, there was uh, some good solutions that were suggested in the last couple episodes of ours. I think one of them was basically making things not as tough or not as large requirement based on the number of members you have in your fleet. But at a certain point, you could take advantage of that again by saying, you know, sitting on the border between two categories of numbers regarding how many members in a fleet. But anyway, it's complicated. But I do like that discussion a lot. Crazy Stoby had submitted one that said, if you were an average Stow player, what question would you want most answered? And Dan Stahl gave a very inspirational reply to this one, saying that Stow is growing and the schedule for 2013 is the most ambitious schedule they have to date. With two major seasons planned, eight and nine, along with more events and promotions, the team size has doubled what it was over a year ago. And season eight is going to show those efforts of a much greater team. So we're looking forward to 2013, if we make it, <laughs> if this episode even airs. No. Well played, Mayans. Still made it as far as any other Star Trek. Seven yeah. seasons. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nice. All right. Coming up next in Stow News, Brandon teamed up with Captain Kiki to put together a video blog called On Screen. Yeah, thanks, Brandon. Trying to muscle us out, I see, huh? 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 It's a short little snippet of news of what players can expect to find this winter event. It is a bit outdated. We already had the release of the winter festivities and Q's Winter Wonderland. So there's nothing really new, really. I, I just choose to look he at it like comment- he's, he's making a new show for us to take over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good point. Good Damn. point. Kudos to them. The production quality is very good. You could tell a little bit that they were a little nervous behind the camera for the first time, but I'm sure those nerves will iron out as the more and more they do it. Now, you can expect to see these videos and blog posts of every three months, every quarter or so. So uh, keep your eye on StarTrekOnline.com for those updates. Well, to highlight the article Dilithium 101, moving on, this was posted by Brandflakes, and this is a monthly article features useful information about Dilithium, including what it is, how to earn it, and how to use it in-game. He says we'll be featuring this article monthly and adding to it as more questions about Dilithium arise. And it's got a lot of really good information and viewpoints on the foundation of it. And it even shows you how you can go back and forth between Dilithium and Zen conversion. And those things that you need to know so you can get really cool things out of the store. Check it out. This is on Star Trek Online's website. So if you check into their news, look into Dilithium 101, and it'll give you everything you need. And if you have questions, you can send it to them, post comments on it, and you should see answers. All right. Last but certainly not least, we've got the Temporal Lockbox. It's been featured again uh, this week. Brian Flakes posted, upon opening the Temporal Lockbox, you'll randomly receive one of the following items. You can get anything from a Temporal Science Vessel, uh, the Wells class, or the Karoth class. You have the opportunity of getting a number of other little ships like Mirror Universe uh, stuff, like the Reconnaissance or Deep Space Science Vessel, or a Kin Heavy Raptor for the KDF. You also have the ability of catching some rare Doffs or a Fleet Bonus Pool. Anyway, there's tons of rewards you can do. Speaking of Dilithium, you will need a key to open these, but you can take advantage of the 15% off sale on Lockbox Keys. That is happening right now in the Zen store from now until December 27th. So next week, be sure to keep your eye out for them and uh, good luck. Hopefully you get those ships. Let's open up hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. 
Our first piece of feedback comes directly to PriorityOnePodcast.com from Elk Lenar. And I think Elk Lenar is actually in the chat room. Being able to see other people's setup is fantastic. I believe uh, uh, they're referring to the Stowe Gateway that we spoke about last episode. I've wanted this ability in-game since launch. As a fleet leader, being able to see my members' equipment is very helpful. I can examine a membership, give them advice on what would be better, and buy them appropriate equipment when they get a new ship. Though I do agree, there should be an ability to toggle this off. I, I'm a fan yeah. of the gateway. I just I wish I you know, I hope that they add more features to it, like I mentioned last episode. I like that though. Yeah, I think I that's a good solution, being able to show it, but being able to toggle it off. That's a good idea. Because then you could share it with people you want to share it with and turn it off to others that you don't want to see it. So I like that. That's not bad. It's kinda like Facebook. Oh, oh no. So Kanto thirteen says First of all, I appreciate the play of the news this week. We can all read the Stowe news, but you have the opportunity to bring in different opinions on it and let us hear how others may feel on it. As for the Stowe Gateway app, I'd like to be able to share my full build with select people, such as my co-admirals and members of my fleet. Being able to see the gear and the skill points of another member would help with building up good PvP builds. However, it needs to be selective so that only approved friends can see it. I totally agree, and that's a good point, because I know if I'm able to peek in on um, approving friends' builds, that would greatly educate me, especially if they're amazing at what they do. I mean, exactly if they're amazing at what they do. I don't know if it would help me so much if they weren't, but uh, fortunately, I know a lot of people who are amazing at what they do. So Yu Chen says, The Breen ship is the result of the devs hearing people calling the Galore a cruiser-escort hybrid and said to themselves... (gasps) That's not really what we had in mind, although it is a pretty good idea. So, and he also adds, the Chen part of Yu Chen is pronounced like the popular Chinese surname. So there you go, Chen. Yu Chen. Flight says, great episode. I would like to thank you guys for mentioning Stow Academy. As a member of it, helps our fleet and website grow and get better. No problem. You guys over at Stow Academy have an awesome tool there with the Stow Skill Builder, and I use it frequently. He likes your tool and he uses it. Damn. You did kind of leave yourself open to. on that one. Wide open. Yeah. But yes, we're very happy to help. And you guys rock. Woody Valley says, gee, a dev commenting on the singing should put him to the task of performing at karaoke night at Star Trek Las Vegas then. On another note, thanks for a great year. I really like episode 68 the most. Don't know why though. Plus, have a Merry Christmas and looking forward to the adventures of Priority One of 2013. Ooh, now I gotta listen to episode 68 to find out what the secret is of his liking. A special thanks to everyone who retweeted all of our tweets throughout the week. Thank you very much. Thank Always you. be sure to follow us at STO Priority One. Sean Newboy sent us an email saying, Excellent show. When you guys are discussing the new gateway, it occurred to me that you guys could try an occasional pro or con debate over things in Stowe. It occurred to us too. Kind of like what we're doing today, only much shorter. But, yeah, it wouldn't be bad for us to do a longer version and really, like, discuss a topic at length. It could be fun. We'll keep that in mind. Captains, I want to address, over the last few weeks, we've been getting some emails that the links to our site have been broken. This was because we migrated from uh, one directory to the root directory of the website. Thankfully, though, Lennon has stepped in and helped a lot with that migration. uh, And he's added a little bit of an automatic redirect to help remedy that. But, again, you can always catch... Our episodes by subscribing to our RSS feed on FeedBurner. Links, of course, are on our homepage. And that website, of course, is www.priorityonepodcast.com. Thank you again for your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, concerns, comments, and general feedback for the show, please send them to incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. 
Well, that wraps up episode 109, broadcasted live from trekradio.net. Remember that we're on air every Thursday night at 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific. We've been getting some amazing feedback. Amazing! And we play much better to a live audience. You'll have fun! Our next comic art is set to release this December, so keep an eye open for Alex Calderwood's Priority One Comics on our website. That's www.priorityonepodcast.com and Facebook. Be sure to catch up on the comics that are currently out via our website. We are looking for your suggestions, ideas for Blank of the Week, and field notes and general show improvements and additions. You can submit these ideas and questions with our online forum at the Priority One website via email to incoming at priorityonepodcast.com, or you can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. That's right. He said Facebook. Facebook. We are on that. So head on over to www.facebook.com slash Priority One Podcast and say hi or check us out on Twitter via at Stow Priority One for showtimes and other cool stuff. To have your founder mission featured on the show, send in the name of your mission, a brief description, and your ad handle to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. As you may already be aware, we've shifted our founder reviews to a video format, so you can have yours all over our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Stow Priority One. Feeling the holiday spirit? Head on over to PriorityOnePodcast.com and click our donate button because we've been good boys and girls all year and you can give us a Christmas present by clicking donate. And if you just don't want to donate and you want to get something back for Christmas, go to Amazon, use our affiliate store, buy for yourself, and still give us a little something on the side that says, Merry Christmas, Priority One. We would like to thank Brandon Feltzer, Community Manager for Stowe, and Sargon, the brains behind the PvP boot camp. The entire team over at PriorityOnePodcast.com, our executive producer, Elliot Tan, our production assistant and art director, Alex Calderwood, our audio engineer, Lennon Rich, and the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Special thanks to our sponsor, Sayulita.com, our syndication partners, Subspace Radio, Trek Radio, and the Trek Radio Live crew. And of course, the Stowe community. Without you, none of this would be possible. Thank you, anyone and everyone who has ever listened. Thank you to you guys. It's been a pleasure working with you, and I will go to the end of the world knowing that I had a blast doing this show. <laughs> yeah. That is true. So basically this means that we'll see you guys next Thursday. <laughs> or we'll in next heaven Thursday. or hell or whatever you believe in, oblivion, you know, whatever. It's all Stobacor. good. It's all good. As long Stobacor. as the blood wine flows and we are mighty with honor. It's going to be our blood flowing. Huh. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> our next uh, our next big episode is episode 110, and that's going to be uh, out in January. So if you, we don't catch you next week, captains, happy holidays and happy new year. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. Engage.
Hello, Captains. Welcome to episode 109 of Priority One, recorded on Thursday, December 20th, 2012, via truckradio.net. And I'm trying so hard not to cough. I can hear. I can <laughs> And pub... <laughs> we are always looking for new blocks of missions for... It's like I'm trying not to cough and I can't read. <laughs> okay. And just to recap this last week here, let's see, uh, Priority One Podcast Episode 107, Slay Station, came out. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry, Slay Stational. What? What? I don't know. That's a good S- question. Slay Stational. Slay Stational? Slay Stational. That's almost like a tongue twister. Slay Stational. Slay Stational. I gotcha. Okay. She sells seashells by the right? shore. Yeah, I know. Let me try that again. Okay. What do you mean the world didn't end? You mean I still have to do work? That's from Alex Calderwood, our artist. <laughs> Yes, Alex, and put your pants back on. It's true. It's kind of like Facebook. Oh, oh no. I'm going to hit your face with a book. (laughs) Unless it's Yuchin, like Yuchin Chafor. No, it's Yuchen. It's Yuchen. Okay, but you know where that one comes from, right? Yuchin Chafor. Come on. Mm -hmm. Come on. Where is it from? I'm waiting. First contact. Move on. No, not first contact. It, yes, first no. Oh, you're right. You're right. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah, insurrection. Oh, yeah, insurrection. Damn. There you go. Lose. Damn, lose. Insurrection. <laughs> no thousand zen for you. <laughs> Moving on. Wizard, basically. <laughs> you Chen says Damn, basically. I'm so sure of myself too. Adrian, will, you, hand, will you handle his Woody? What? Thank yeah. you again for your feedback. We love to hear from you. We love them. They make us our good dinners for our ears and eyes. Where my heart. There we go. Now I remember. There it is. There it is. He remembers. <gasps> oh my gosh, the world is gonna end because he finally know, remembered the, the name of the song. <laughs> and Elijah's touching my text, so I have to wait a second. He's no, touching he, your text. That was weird. <laughs> kind of like that. Kind of like creepy. That. It's creepy like Cisco. <laughs> I don't like Cisco very much. He's, he seems like a nice guy, but he gets the crazy eyes many times. Space Jesus is a weirdo, but... okay? I'm going to say it. What? If that makes me a bad Star oh. Trek fan, I don't care. Space Jesus is a weirdo. And Brandon Fletcher, community manager for Stowe and Sargon. 